you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6, and we are going to take a look at verses 19 to 24 this morning as we jump back into the Sermon on the Mount. Um, You know, from the feedback that I got about last week, uh, I kind of feel like you guys like me better on video than you do in person. Uh, (laughs) But I'm so glad that that worked out. We were able to get away for a week, and we're so thankful that uh, we could do that, and thankful to you. Uh, for your prayers. You know, the last season of ministry has been difficult on body and soul, a little bit more than I even realized. And so the, the week was really good to get, to get away. We're refreshed. Our family's refreshed in spirit and ready to see what God has for us next through this next season. So we want to get back to the shining uh, in this greatest sermon that was ever preached by the greatest preacher that ever lived, Jesus, our Savior, and his Sermon on the Mount. So let's read verses 19 to 24. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for this treasure in your word that you have given us, these words of Jesus that have been uh, around so long and provided wisdom and direction and conviction and encouragement in our lives. And we pray you'd bring them to life in us as you plant them in our hearts. Pray that they would bear good fruit even this week as we know there's so much out there to do. I pray the words of my mouth and the meditations on my heart will be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I was thinking about how some questions are more important than others. Not all questions are created equal because the answers that those questions, the answers to those questions have more impact on our life than others. For, for instance, will you go to the store for me versus will you marry me? I mean, same answer, maybe. <laughs> but the importance of those questions is totally in different leagues. Will the Colts go to the Super Bowl versus will you take this job? I didn't want to say will there be a Super Bowl, you know, because I didn't want to discourage you or anything. But, uh, but, you know, all questions are not created equal because the answers have different impacts on our lives. What are we having for dinner? Versus what 
do you believe about Jesus? Now, his words today, they will spark some questions for you that are important questions for light shiners. And if you can find the answers to them, they will change your life forever. So the first one is rooted in verses 19 and 20, and is where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? Let me read those verses again. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure and treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and, and steal. So there's a lot of wisdom in those verses. There's a lot of common sense uh, for people living in a world, world full of treasure. Um, uh, you know, Jesus is speaking here of, of material things. You know, things that we can touch and grab and, and have. Um, you know, and, and we know that because of what he says there. Uh, he's talking about things that can be eaten away like clothing by a little moth. Um, and in his day, those people, you know, they, clothing was a huge uh, wealth thing for them. Um, things, can, things that can be eaten away, even things that, are, that look very strong like metal, okay, a little rust corrosion and take metal in your hand, it, it can just crumble in your hands. Or things that can be taken away by robbers so easily. Most of the people if, that were listening to him, if they, if they had a house, it was a clay house. And so all a robber had to do was come up and, you know, come up to the side of a wall and dig a little hole and he had access to whatever was there in the house. So easy uh, to take things. So all Jesus is saying is, it is foolish to pile up a pile of material things when that pile is at risk. It's not permanent. And things that aren't permanent will never bring you true joy. So instead of piling up a pile of stuff here, put all your energy into piling up a pile of stuff there in heaven. This life is not permanent. It's temporary. But the life we have with God is forever. It's eternal. So this life, we can't even compare to that life on the timeline. It's a dot. If that. So instead of piling up a pile of stuff that's at risk here so we can have a a good life, so we can have a little fun for a little while, pile up reward there. Because there it's going to bring true joy forever. Not at risk there. So how do you do that? Well, you live out the two great commandments. Love God with your everything and love your neighbor as yourself. That's how you do that. Remember two weeks ago when Jesus was teaching us uh, about uh, not losing our reward. Um, he, he was saying when we, when we take the things God has given us to do to love him and we use those to get man to love us, that's how we lose our reward, our praying, our giving, our fasting. Those are things that we do um, and should do with God and for God. But when we bring them out and let them be seen by men to get their applause and admiration, we lose reward. Well, we want to turn that around. We want to do those things for God. And lay up treasure in heaven. Jesus said that his father will see what's done in secret. And he'll reward what's done in secret. So that's laying it up in, 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 hev- in heaven. So when we make Jesus our treasure. Uh, knowing him. Worshipping him. Serving him. That's how we love him. That's what we do. That's how he wants us to live. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 to 19. Listen to what this says. Teach those who are rich in this world 
not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Sounds like Paul has heard the Sermon on the Mount. (laughs) Jesus said in Mark chapter 9, verse 41, For truly I say to you, whoever gives a cup of cold water to drink because you belong to Christ will, will by no means lose his reward. So even a little thing is given a cup of cold water in Jesus' name is laying up treasure. We're, we're paying it forward. What a great example the Indians are giving us. Those guys are brand new believers coming out of a Hindu religion. And they read this and then they go out and do it. They lose their job, they lose their, their income, and they take their savings and they spend it on food for 600 people every day for three months. And now, they, now they need help. And that's our opportunity. We can help them. So now this is such an important question. Where is your treasure? It's such an important question for us because of verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And you can answer that question by uh, looking at your heart... And what happens to it when the pile of stuff you got becomes at risk? Okay. You know, when, you, when, when the stock market plummets, what happens in your heart? When the housing market depreciates, what happens in your heart? When someone gets broken into next door, what happens in your heart? When the car is showing some rust or you wreck it, what happens? When the iPhone is out of date, When the diagnosis is bad, when the job is in jeopardy, when business looks bad, what happens in your heart? Answering that question can lead you to answering this question about where your treasure is. Now, when you get an answer to that question that you don't like, you you got the wrong location for that question, Jesus tells us what to do. In Luke 12, verses 33 and 34, he said there, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, is he serious about that? I mean, is that just for, you know, those guys? No. It's for us. And he is serious about it. Because the only way to free your heart from your treasure when it's here is to get rid of it. You just got to get rid of it. Give it away. And I'll be so bold this morning to say, I know a church that's working in India right on the front lines of COVID-19. They could use your treasure. Just if one of you listen to Jesus' words and decide to sell your possessions would change Faith Community Fellowship's world. And it will bless some people in India. The gospel, the kingdom of God will grow. Want to have a garage sale? There was this lady. uh, She works at the Hope Center. And she put a video on uh, social media this, this past week, I think. And she was sharing about how she was reading this verse. 
and that that uh, that sell everything and give it to the needy. Just kept coming up like Jesus was speaking to her about that. And she, you know, she wrestled with it. She kept so she decided she was going to do it. And so she put a sign out in front of her house that said, "Everything must go." And she had a sale. And her mom came and she's like crying. Are you sure you want to do this? And she said she had people in her house all day long. And when it was over, she had nothing left in her house. And then, you know, there's more to the story. But she was talking about that season of her life. And and if she, uh, she ended up getting married. And when she got married, her husband brought a whole bunch of other stuff to put in her house. That she wouldn't have had room for, you know, if she hadn't obeyed Jesus. So it's a real instruction. If you find that your treasure is located in the wrong place, follow what Jesus says. Where is your treasure? Next question. How is your vision? How is your vision? Verses 22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So it's a simple illustration. should make sense to all of us. Your eye is the lamp to the body. It lets light into your body, just like a, a window would let light into your house. So if that window is dirty, or if it's fogged up, or if it's broken in some way, the light coming through there into the house is going to be less or deformed or distorted. In some way. And we can't really see that. But it is. There's more darkness in the house when the, light, when the window's messed up. Well, the eye is the same way. If, if the eye is clean in a spiritual sense, it allows you to see things clearly in a spiritual sense. So if it's broken, if it's fogged over, if it's dirty, um, if there, there's going to be elements of darkness in you that you cannot see. And the troubling part is Jesus calls it a great darkness. Because you don't know that it's there. You know, sometimes, Lori, she will, my wife, she will look at me and she will go, how can you see through those things? And I take off my glasses and she's right. They're super dirty, you know. I'm like, I don't know how I can see through these things. So, you know, we clean them up and sometimes she has mercy on me and she cleans them for me. And then when I put them back on, it's like, wow, I don't know how I could see you know, through those things. That's crazy. Well, it's the same thing with your vision. When it comes to your vision, you need someone else to help you see when something is not right in your life. Jesus describes two ends of a scale here. The, the good eyes equal body full of light. Bad eyes equal body full of darkness. And so all of us are somewhere on that scale of light inside of us. Now, another thing about these these glasses, they are really hard to clean. I mean, I've never had a pair of glasses that I had such a hard time cleaning. I know how to clean them. I clean them just about every other day. But I, I mean, you know, I can't just take a tissue and, and rub it. It just smears and makes it worse. You know, I can't just take my shirt, you know, and, and rub off the dirt. I got to have a special cloth called a chamois, you know, and a spray bottle. I gotta spray both sides and I gotta rub it off of there. And you know what? Usually I gotta do that twice to get these clean. I don't know why. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. Maybe it's the anti-glare stuff that's on them or something. I don't know. But it is the same thing when it comes 
to uh, your spiritual sight. Just any old cleaner will not do. You can't get your spiritual sight clean from Twitter or the headlines or the TV. You can't do it. It doesn't work. Just any old cleaner won't do. The best vision cleaner for your spiritual eyesight is the Word of God. It is the Word of God that cleanses your vision and gets you to see yourself and see the world the way Jesus sees it. And if you would read the Word of God and open up your spiritual ears and be listening for the Holy Spirit to speak to you, He will be that smooth, soft, chamois cloth and spray down your eyes to help you see things and your body becomes more full of light. And we need clear spiritual sight for our whole life. If you look all around, we need it. We need to be able to see this world like Jesus sees it. We need to be able to see problems like he sees them. We need to be able to see people like he sees them. But Jesus is talking about this in the middle of a lesson on material things. So I want to share with you some other places in the word, some other cleaner for your spiritual sight about material things to help us have more of a healthy eye, body full of light. So here's some verses. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16 says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. So those verses, they're kind of asking that same question, where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? Colossians 3, 1 and 4. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So those verses are another way of asking, how's your vision? What are you looking at? What is consuming your mind? You know, what is happening? Are you consumed by the trinkets and technology and toys? Is that what you're focused on? And then Philippians 4, 11 and 12 says, I have learned, got to learn this, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. You know, we think that we'll be content when we have a lot, but that's not true. It just makes you want more. So that's kind of where we want our heart and mind to land when it comes to material things. Being able to be content in any situation, whether we've got an abundance or whether we have little. We're not focused on getting more and we're not complaining that we don't have it. You know, a contented person in this world can really shine for Jesus. Now, sometimes the darkness that is within us is so great that we'll hear the Spirit speak to us when we read the Word, but we'll resist Him. We'll resist Him, and we'll start making excuses for the way that we're living, and we'll twist what the Spirit is saying to us um, so we can just kind of keep on doing what we're doing. We'll think, well, you know, those people... You know, they lived so long ago, those, these are old words, you know, they apply to them. They don't really apply to us right now. And we'll do, thing, we'll do things like that. So that's when you need another believer to come in. 
And, and you need to have them take what you're wrestling with and, and tell you if you've got correct spiritual sight. So you've got to give them permission to do that. So you, you're, you're wrestling with the Word of God. You say, hey, can I meet with you? And then you tell them what you're wrestling with and say, tell me the truth. I need to know. Now, a lot of times, that is not a pleasant experience. But I promise you, in the end, you'll be glad you did it because you'll be able to see clearly and you'll have more shine for your light. Somebody with a healthy spiritual eye that's seeing this world the way God does, you know, that's seeing people and problems the way God does, they can really shine for the kingdom of God. So the word of God and other believers, they help us get grow up on that scale of light uh, and they help you answer this question, how's your vision? And then the last one, the last important question for us today is, who is your boss? So let me do verse 24 again. I read it. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So this verse, Jesus is kind of bringing home the point that he's made with the other two pictures about treasure and about vision. He's saying if you're going to believe, if you're going to, if you're going to believe in God and live for God, that is a full-time job. You can't do it part-time. You've got to go all in. Somebody that's trying to do two masters, their life is something like this. You might have good feelings toward God, but really you're devoted to the things of this world. And so your heart is set on, on something else other than him. And that's why Jesus says, you'll hate him. You say, I don't hate him. I feel good about God. But to, to him, because your heart's set on something else, it's hate. It's a, you're despising him. So your true treasure isn't found in him. And that clouds your vision. It clouds your spiritual vision. You'll be wrestling with the word to try to continue to live that way. And so that darkness in you is great darkness because you can't see that this, the boss, the leader, the master of your life is the root of the problem. You say, I believe in Jesus. But your life is still, still in your own hands. You still are the master of your own life. You're doing your duty to, for God. But you're devoted to getting ahead to the things that are more fun, the things that are more interesting, the things that make you popular, the things that are more attractive, things you can taste, touch, and see. The Word of God is is a book that you have. You might even have one or two or three or four or five of these things, but they just sit around at your house. They're on the bookshelf or on the nightstand or on the coffee table. You don't really get in there to, to read And your prayers, your prayer life is reduced down to prayers at mealtime, saying your thank yous. It's kind of how life goes. You you spend time on Netflix and on your Amazon, you know, filling up your wish list. And the rest of the time, you're taking care of the stuff you piled up (laughs) that's that's decaying because it needs attention. So if, if, if you have a life like that is you have said yes to the part of the gospel that provides forgiveness of sin, but you've ignored the part of the gospel where there's a living Savior who defeated death who calls you to follow him. He is alive. You're a Good Friday believer, not an Easter Sunday. Who is your boss? Remember who Jesus is speaking to here. People who did not have a whole lot. People who were outcasts of society. Uh, people who didn't get invited to the parties. Didn't get to sit in the, in the front row of the church when that was an important status thing. That's who he was talking to. Yet he is warning them that you can't belong to God and 
live to get ahead. You just, you just can't do it. So if they needed to hear that warning, how much more do we need to hear it? Living in this land of opportunity. Living with all this treasure in front of us. All these things that we can see. It is so easy to make our stuff our master. The question here is so important to get right to who is your boss. Now, I've used the word boss uh, to sort of make it more relevant or more applicable to our life, but really, master is the better word. Because when we don't like our boss, we just go find a new one, or we become the boss. <laughs> In Galatians 2.20, we find an, the attitude of a person who has given their life to God and is living for Him. It says there, Paul wrote it, I have been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself up for me. That's the attitude of a believer that belongs to God. Now, Paul, he became a believer. Uh, and when he did that, his name was Saul. And his life was devoted to stomping out the name of Jesus. That's what he was doing with all the zealousness that he had. And when he met Jesus on the Damascus Road, changed his name to Paul, and his life purpose totally changed. It went from stomping out the name of Jesus to promoting the name of Jesus wherever he went. That's what he was all about. When he was then in that mode, he wrote this, Romans 14, 8, For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. He didn't belong to himself. His life didn't belong to him. His death didn't belong to him. It was all in the Lord's hands. What a great verse for the times we're living in. You know, when death is the, the, the threat of death, getting sick and dying is all around us. What a great verse. Put that somewhere where you can read it every day and live with a little more abandon that your life belongs to God. Your death belongs to God. Let him handle that. Go be obedient and, and serve people. So when we say yes to Jesus, there's got to be this transfer of ownership in our life. You know, or if, if that doesn't happen, then we haven't really said yes to believing in Jesus. Our yes really isn't a yes because it doesn't put our life in his hands where then he can do what he, only he can do in our hearts. You know, when I was 11 years old, two huge important things happened to me. One was, I said yes to Jesus. And the second thing was, I began to swim competitively. Now, did you know that when you win a race in the swimming pool, they give you stuff? Sometimes it's a ribbon, you know, like, like that. Sometimes it's a, it's a medal. Like that. Sometimes it's a trophy. Or a plaque in this case. Like that. They give you stuff. And so as an 11 year old, guess what I did? I devoted my life to getting this stuff. I mean, I got out of bed at 5.30 in the morning. Five days a week. I spent four hours a day in the swimming pool. I spent my summers there. Devoted my life to, to getting this. So after seven years of that kind of 
devotion, this box is full of the stuff that they gave me. Full of awards and things. You know, here's a patch, the Snoopy patch. <laughs> so this, this one right here, I would say that this award was the culmination of all of this. I got this at the state meet. Uh, first, notice I'm trying to just show you the first place things that I got. Um, but uh, this I got at the state meet at, uh, for Indiana. So this was like at the meet that was the biggest meet for me of my entire life. My whole swimming career went down to this meet. And so we won the medley relay that year. We set the school record at Warren Central High School. And we earned All-American status in the swimming world because of this race. Uh, when we went back to school, we actually won second at state that year. So the school had a convocation. The entire school was invited. We were in the gym. Swim team's on the basketball floor, you know, and all the schools up there, and they're they're honoring us. So that was cool. And then uh, and then my name went up in lights on the record board. And as I think back about these years, I tell you, I loved it. It, it, it taught me, it taught me so much. It taught me how to work hard. It taught me how to set goals and pursue them. It taught me how to be a good teammate. It taught me how to uh, deal with failure. Uh, it, it taught me how, uh, how good it feels to be applauded by man. The only thing I don't love about those years is how I treated Jesus. You know, I had understood the gospel. That Jesus died for my sins and I needed to trust him for the forgiveness of my sins or I was going to hell. And I didn't want to go to hell. I wanted to go to heaven, so Jesus was for me. So I grabbed Jesus and I put him in my pocket. And I pulled him out when I needed him. And that's kind of how I lived my life. All through those swimming years and then after swimming was over, I was no longer putting... Uh, you know, paper and stuff, metal, metal in this box. But I was putting other things in this box, uh, things that were more expensive, <laughs> things that uh, that required a lot more time and energy to go after. I was thinking I was okay with God, but I was still living for myself and my pleasures and my stuff. And then along came June third, nineteen ninety four, and I was downtown at the Hoosier Dome. Back then, it's not even there now. 62,000 men there. And at that meeting, I made a decision that I would no longer be the boss of my life. I would no longer be the master. I would put Jesus in that rightful place. Now, I didn't think I was making a salvation decision. I thought I was making a leadership decision. I got a new boss. I don't know if I was saved when I was 11, but I do know that when Jesus became the Lord of my life, he changed me. I was born again that night. I went home a different person. And now I got a box that used to be treasure, but now it's just full of a bunch of old memories. And I have to dig it out of the basement and get the cobwebs off of it when I want to tell this story. My name is no longer up in lights at Warren Central. The, the kids broke the record last year, 35-year-old record, and I couldn't be happier for them because my life is no longer about me. 
And it's not about promoting my name. It's about promoting the name of Jesus. I never want to say no to the one who gave his life for me so I could have life with him. Paul's had word, has words in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, been such an encouragement to me in my walk with, with Jesus. He says, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish. Rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Has something like that happened to you in your life? Has something like that happened to you? Are you, are you still living your life for what's going in the box? Has there been a change of ownership? Have you ever gotten a new boss and his name was Jesus Christ? I want to encourage you, don't waste another second of your life living for stuff that's decaying and rotting and just going to burn up. Temporary things that we put so much energy into trying to accumulate. Jesus said that life is not found in the abundance of possessions. So you can make a change of ownership. You can make a decision today to give Jesus that rightful place in your life as your master and Lord. Now, when you're doing that, you have, to, you have to think about what you're doing. You are very much becoming a slave to God. You are giving up yourself. You are giving up your rights to your rights. <laughs> you are giving up your time. You are giving up your money. You are giving up your body. You are giving up your future, your dreams, your hopes, what you want to become. It all goes in God's hands. You've got to give it all up. You can't do both. And you know something? There is nobody more worthy to, to make the leader of your life than Jesus. Nobody who loves you anymore, knowing you just as you are. He doesn't walk away. He is the faithful friend. When we mess up, he doesn't kick us to the curb. He sticks with us. He has made our life possible with God. And listen, we know all this is true about him because that grave is empty and he's alive. And if his life didn't prove he was the son of God, his victory over death sure did. I want to have Thane come on back up. And he's going to lead us in a final song. And while he's doing that, I'm going to share with you about the largest treasure find in America. Happened in February of 2013. Can you believe that? You'd think, you know, people aren't hunting for buried treasure anymore. The largest find was called the Saddle Ridge Horde. There was this couple that owned this property called Saddle Ridge. And they were out walking their dog one morning and they see this can sticking up out of the ground. Just a little bit of it. It was rusted. And so they got a little curious and they dug it up. And when they dug it up and were holding it, they found that it had some weight to it. They pulled off the top of the can and it was filled up with gold coins. So that got them kind of more curious and they ended up unearthing eight cans full of gold coins on their property. 
1,411 gold coins worth an estimated $10 million. It's amazing, isn't it? Well, listen, I have shared with you some very important questions uh, that if you get the right answers to will change your life today and your future forever. It'll change you. They may seem to you like a little rusty old can sticking out of the ground and you would, might even just walk right on by them and not pay them any mind. But listen, I've dug them up for you and I've put them in your lap. Put this can of questions in your lap, you know. Where's my treasure? How's my vision? Who's my boss? And when you think about those things, they can feel kind of weighty. <laughs> but I promise you this. If you would start with the last question and you would make a change of ownership in your life today, it's going to be like opening up that first can and finding it full of gold coins. And it's not going to end there as you get into the Word of God and you spend time with Jesus and you read and He speaks to you. You're going to keep unearthing these cans that are full of treasure. And you'll begin to see life differently. You'll see yourself differently. You'll see your purpose for life totally different. And then at the end of your life, the box of stuff that you got piled up here will be meaningless to you. And the treasure of Jesus will be far more valuable to you than $10 million. Let's stand together. Thane is going to lead us here in a song that expresses this. As these words come across your lips, pray that God makes them true of your heart. All right? Yeah, let's pray together. And if you're so inclined, just Put your hands out in front of you and just palms up and we'll make a a fresh offering of ourselves here this morning. Father, we come to you, the beautiful, awesome God, full of love and mercy and faithfulness, compassion, steadfastness. We come to you as broken people. People that mess up time and time again. Who sin. Who say careless things. Who pour our energies into things that are temporary. Setting our hearts in a place that is just foolish to set them. We need your forgiveness, Lord. We're broken. So we come to the God who puts things back together, who puts people back together. And we're thankful for your grace that's provided to us through Jesus' sacrifice. He's paid the price for all of this brokenness in our life. And we fall at the foot of the cross. Thank you for loving us that way. And we offer 
offer ourselves to you such as we are, knowing that you call us to, to get up and to walk out into this world and to share our life with others. So, Lord, we pray today, let our hearts be free of things and stuff and available to you to grow your kingdom, to help people like you've helped us, to love them and point them to you as the giver of life, the conqueror of death. Thank you for for using people like us So we, we lay our life before you, Lord, such as it is. Take it. Use us. We make our hands willing and available, our feet willing and available, our mouths available to you. You are our treasure. We love you today and we want to love you more. Fill us with your Holy Spirit as we go and shine your light through us. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.